you turn in your Bibles, if you'd like, to 2 Samuel chapter 23. When I've uh, made arrangements for something, like we shipped a car off this week to Kentucky for my son. I went and I made all the calls and did all the research, and it's on its way there. If it doesn't get there when it's supposed to, all the arrangements I made were kind of like, I get a little frustrated. When I make arrangements for something like a wedding, or a family dinner, or a trip to the store even, maybe planning or bringing about a Sunday service, and things don't go as I had planned for unseen reasons, well, needless to say, there's disappointment. Do you not feel the same when you've made arrangements for something and it just doesn't work out the way you wanted it to? Get a little disappointed in things, don't we? <clears throat> Man, if it would just have been the way I wanted it to, everything would have been just right. Things don't always go the way we want them to, do they? I think, I think it should, even when I make commitment, if I make a promise, sometimes the circumstances may interfere with my abilities to keep those promises. Well, same thing as in the world around us, isn't it? Something may happen. I know you may think I'm putting a jinx on that truck driver going out there, but yeah, I don't believe in jinxes. But it's possible. Something could happen. Car won't be there when it should be. Wedding didn't go off as way we wanted it to. And family dinner didn't quite go as well as we'd like it to have gone. Something got burnt. Circumstances happened. Circumstances in this world happen. No matter how hard we try to keep what we promise, sometimes things just happen and promises cannot be fulfilled. The world we're in is a changing place. And circumstances guide our actions. But there's one who works all circumstances out of all things according to his good pleasure. In Lamentations 3.22, it says these words, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. That's pretty sure, isn't it? His compassions fail not. His desires, his wants, his plans, his purposes. As the sovereign of everything... If God could purpose something and it could be thwarted, he couldn't be called God. That's just as plain and simple as it is. Those who worship a God who is not sovereign and work everything out according to his purpose and accomplish everything that he has purposed are not worshiping a God at all. And many of us were right there in that boat one day. I never went to a, another religion like some of you folks may have. But John had the religion of John. When you don't believe God, you've got to believe in something. Even if it is something false. God of scriptures does all he desires. He accomplishes all that he wants 
purposes all his plans and fulfills them all through the purpose of his own will. Malachi 3, verse 6, we read this. For I am the Lord, he says, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Isaiah 9, 6 describes this very one this way. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government that's everything. That's all things. That's creation. An apple falls from a tree. Why? Because God has purposed it to do so. He knows every snowflake that will ever fall on this earth. He knows every hair on your head or on the side of your head or wherever you might have on your body. He knows every hair, folks. Do you, get the, do you get the sense that God is God? The one who created everything really is God? You don't hear this from pulpits today. We hear about a God who wants but can't get what he wants unless somebody else does something for him. We hear about a God who's waiting for us to make our decisions. That's not the God of Scripture. Amen. Our Lord says, I came to you and made you willing in the day of my love. Until that day, nobody's willing. It is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Unto us a child is born, the government shall be upon his shoulder, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father the Prince of Peace. He's the very one who rules over all circumstances. Every power is by His purpose. Every iota is ruled by His thoughts, His will. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 makes this very, very clear. Listen to these words. For by Him, by the Lord Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities. Our Lord doesn't leave anything out here, folks. Or powers. The power of a storm. All things that you can consider be of a power, some, you know, some people want to call it Mother Nature as a power. No, it's Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. There was a day when John worshipped John and it was Lady Luck. Oh, I'm lucky today. No, it was Jesus Christ the Lord. All powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. When He gives a promise, when He says in His Word, must or shall, we can count on that. When He says, all the Father giveth me, that means all. Not some of His children. All of His children will come to Him. He will lose nothing. Why? Because He's God Almighty in the flesh. I like that. That gives me assurance that tells me that my faith 
is a faith in Him. Not something that I've conjured up in my own flesh. Not something that depends on this flesh that stands before you. But something that hears His Word and believes it. That's what it's all about. That's what makes the difference between God's children and those who play to be God's children. Those who act like they're the children of God. You know, that's what Pharisees were. That's what the Sadducees were. They were those who played religion. Those who maybe at one time, back before they were, uh, before they became what they were when they hung the Lord Jesus on the cross, maybe back before Jacob, maybe back before they became Israel, they believed the Lord. At one point, after so many births, they grew apart. Not all of Israel is Israel. No, we believe that when God gives a promise, when He says must or shall, it shall be. Unlike the world and mankind that dwells therein, His word is sure. Unlike the world and mankind, His word is sure. This is the confidence that can only be had through the God-given gift of faith. Is faith important? Absolutely. Many grace preachers sometimes, and I'm, I'm guilty of this, I'm just as guilty as anybody else. Sometimes we put so much emphasis on grace, and we should, but sometimes we take it in a way that diminishes the, the importance of faith. Listen to these words. Is grace important, or is faith important? You bet it is. This is the confidence that only can be had through God-given faith. Ephesians 2, verse 8, For by grace are you saved. No, it doesn't stop there, does it? No, there's some words right after that, isn't it? Through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest a man should boast. Why does it say not of works, lest man should boast? Because faith can be looked at as saving faith all by itself. The unregenerate man can take what they believe to be faith and put all their trust in that faith. We are saved by grace. We are saved by the Lord Jesus Christ in His gracious act to his people. But he saves us through faith. A lot of people have faith in something, don't they? Some of us mistakenly put our faith in our government, don't we? Maybe in our mate. Maybe in our ability to do something. So it can't be faith by itself. Faith becomes a works. Faith of us is a works. It's a result of God's grace in His people. That's why He calls it a gift of God. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest we should boast. You don't think we would boast about it? If it wasn't for the grace of God, we absolutely would. Look at the world boasting in the fact that they see a Jesus in a piece of toast. That sounds foolish to you. 
righteousness to, to most people, but folks, that's the word truth about mankind. That's our nature. That's the nature that we had before God came to, to us and tore out that old nature, tore out that old heart, that old stony heart that wouldn't have him, and gave us a new heart, the new birth. In 2 Corinthians 13, 5, we read these words, Examine yourselves, whether you be in what? In grace? No, it says in faith. Examine yourselves whether you be in faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Prove your own selves. You, I, I hope and pray that each and every one of us, when we come to this table, when we come to remember who our Lord and Savior is, what He did for us, laying down His life, shedding His blood, paying for our sins in full, not just the sins that we've committed, but all of our sins, until the day He takes us out of this world. When we come to remember that, examine yourself. Am I in the faith? Am I in the faith according to Scriptures? Not just, do I believe Jesus? Of course, you know the devils believe in, in the Lord Jesus? They do believe in Him, but they tremble. They don't know Him as grace. They don't, they've never experienced His grace. They don't believe His Word. They've never experienced the love that God has for His people. In Hebrews 11.6, after going through and mentioning a couple of those who have died in faith, the writer writes this in 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 6. He says, but without faith. Did you catch that? Without faith. Is faith important? Absolutely. You're not going to be saved without it. It doesn't save you. I want to make that clear. Faith is not what saves you. Christ is what saves you. But He does not save outside of giving you faith. You can't come to the Lord Jesus in truth if He doesn't give you faith to do so. Amen. That cuts the so-called free will people completely out. You can't say, I came to Christ by my own walking down into the front of the aisle. I came to Christ by getting in the baptismal. No, you didn't. We came to Christ by faith in Him. A God-given faith. Why is this so important? Because I'm guilty of not stressing to my folks, my loved ones, the, the importance of our faith in Him. I stress grace pretty much, don't you? You all know that. You all know that. But what about faith, John? It's just as important. All of God's Word is important. Without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe. Must believe. Must have faith. Must have trust that He, that Jesus Christ, is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Folks, there is one Lord and one faith. That's what it tells us in Ephesians 4.3. I'm as confident as I can be in the flesh that my wife, who loves me greatly, 
will do everything in her power to keep her word to me. But I also know that circumstances in this world change from what I think. Circumstances of this world can change what she has to do. It may not be in her power to fulfill some commitment. Therefore, I take this into consideration as we do all, with all commitments from someone of this world. That any commitment that somebody might make with us. But folks, there's no wavering with God. There's no wavering with Him at all. Our Lord does not change. His word is described as the solid rock. So big, so solid, that nothing or little minds can think of can move it. <laughs> I know, I'm speaking mostly of my little mind. This is a confidence that every true child of God, of the Most High, must be given. Usually not all at once, though some a little quicker than others, but for the most part it's a gradual thing. In Romans chapter 10 verse 17 we read these words, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Through the, faith, through the faithful preaching of God's word, a true child of God, a lit of the living God, will grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. That's what it says in Second Peter, chapter uh, three, verse eighteen. More and more, we are weaned from the confidence of this flesh that we walk in. More and more, we are weaned from the visual things that we see of this world. The more we spend in God's Word, growing in His grace growing in the knowledge of Him, the power of Him, the will of Him. More spending time in His Word, we, enter, we come to find out that our faith is of the rock of God's Word. We lose more and more of the confidence of the flesh. I have witnessed this growth in many of God's loved ones. Those for whom He died, those for whom He shed His blood. Those that he declares in Jeremiah 3, 31, 3, The Lord hath appeared unto me of old, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I draw thee. He says in Genesis 17, 7, And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, and the generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. These ones are called his elect. Peter addresses it very clearly in Peter first one, chapter 1. Elect. Chosen. Ephesians, they were called predestinated. In the book of John, our Lord says it just outright plainly. No misinterpretation. No way to take it and make some other kind of understanding about it. He says this very plainly. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And he said that right after telling some unbelieving Jews, some Pharisees, you're not my sheep. You believe not because you are not my sheep. He doesn't say that you're not my sheep because you don't believe. 
says, you're not my sheep. And he says, you don't believe because you're not my sheep. Here in 2 Samuel, I know I've taken a long time to get there, chapter 23, one of these elect, one of God's sheep has come to the end of his time here on this world, and I want you to listen to his last words. Here is a man who is on his deathbed. I can't help but picture my own mother as she grew weaker and weaker and weaker in those last days. David couldn't keep warm. Even with all the covers that he had as the king of Israel, he couldn't keep warm. His body was dwindling away, withering away. And yet he had a confidence that only God's children can have. Are you with me in 2 Samuel chapter 23? Let's begin reading at verse 1. Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel, said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. Spirit of the Lord spake by me. Have you ever been witnessing to somebody and God just gave you something to say and just, oh wow, where did that come from? I am the worst at remembering. You folks who've known me for a long time, you know that. How many times have I had to, had to ask certain people their names that have come to visit us? It used to be just do and do that for a reason, because my memory was bad. And all of a sudden, God would give me something to say, it's scriptural, like, where did that come from? How did I remember that? How did I remember that? The Spirit. The Spirit of God spake by me, and His Word was in my tongue. Verse 3, the God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth even in the morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Although my house, says David, be not so with God. And here's that confidence. Here's the assurity a dying man had. Yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant. Ordered in all things and sure. That's the title of today's message. Ordered and sure. We think that things come our way and... Uh, and I'm, I'm as guilty of this as anybody, folks. I'm right there with you. If you've, if you've ever done this, I'm telling you, I have to. More times than I want to count. If I would have just done this, God help me to get over that. Lord help me. I'm sitting here preaching to some folks that my God is sovereign, aren't I? Well, if He's sovereign, then whatever happened, happened because He built it and it was His purpose to happen. Is that not true? Is that not true? Yes. If it's not, then he's not sovereign, is he? Right. That's where the flesh is weak comes in. Oh, 
I wish I would have just done it differently. God help us to have this confidence. This confidence right here. Although my house be not so with God, yet He, yet my Lord, the One who rules over everything, the One who works everything out for the good of His people to them that are called, He hath made with me an everlasting covenant ordered in all things and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, my desire, although he make it not grow. Speaking of that in my home. My title and point to be made this morning is ordered and sure. Ordered. That means arranged. That means put in place. Sure means to be hedged about. It means to be kept. Kept as such. You know, look over, turn over to the right there, if you would, to Job. It's the, the book right before the Psalms. The book of Job. Turn over to Job chapter 1. Talking about being hedged about. In Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 7, And the Lord said unto Satan, Now Satan had been going about in the earth, roaring like a lion. And here in verse 7, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord, and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Now listen to these words, folks. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge a sure thing? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Hast thou, thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land? The devil didn't lie here. I know we think that everything that comes out of the devil's mouth is deceitfulness, and it is because of the way he presents it. He's the master of deceit. He's such he's such so good at it, he deceives himself, thinking that he could take one of God's people away from him. But he declares it very clearly. Hast thou not put a hedge up around your 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 servant Job? Yes. Job doesn't have the power to keep fight off the devil. You and I don't have the power to fight off the devil. He's been doing this a lot longer than us. The devil is making a true accusation. Hast thou not hedged about him? David had come to know through God's word, as we read in verse 2, that his salvation, it was of God, it was ordered of God, it was sure of God, a hedge was built around him. Everything about God's people is kept by God. It says that in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, we are kept by the power of God. Not by something we have done. Oh, folks, if God has spoken grace to your hearts, don't let works start coming in and messing it up. It can be painful if you're a child of God. God's not going to let you fall to it. But it can be painful in the trials that we have to go through for the Lord to pull us back, to call us back to Him. 
But even that is purpose for his glory, isn't it? As David had been given, as David had been given faith to trust in his word, so do all of the saints of God. We believe that everything about us, everything about the world around us, is ordered and sure. When the Lord begins to shine his light in a regenerated heart, a new heart, a heart with the gift of faith, he usually begins with the soft milk of the word. Christ came to save sinners. That's simple. That's easy to accept. Does God, is he giving you the faith to believe it? To trust it? To put away whatever you think you're doing to help him and trust in him alone? Milk is soothed, smooth and smooth as silk, and softer than a cloud, whiter than snow. It's easy to digest. We simply hear his word declared in our spirit and in truth. We hear of who he is. Yeah, we hear of who he is. The God of all creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him. Nothing was made without Him. And the Word was made flesh. Jesus Christ the Lord. Let us, God says, us, plural, make man in our image. Genesis. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three distinct persons, yet one God. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in Him bodily. We hear who He is, the triune God. We believe. We believe by God-given faith. This is the importance of faith. We believe what He says about Himself. We believe the testimony that God gives us about His Son. We simply hear His Word, Declared in our spirit and in truth, and we believe we hear of his works. And we believe that becoming flesh, our Lord walked perfectly, establishing a righteousness for his people, because we have no righteousness of our own. You can't do anything to establish righteousness for yourself. All the good works you do are mixed with the flesh, and the flesh is sin. Without the Spirit of Christ dwelling in you, you can't do anything good. But I feed the poor. You're not doing it for the glory of God. But I give to this, I do to this. I'm a nice person, I'm sweet and humble. But you're not doing it for the glory of God. Unless Christ dwelleth in you, everything you do is wicked. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's God's Word. That's God's Word. We hear His Word declared. We hear of His works. We hear of who He is. We hear of His sacrifice. The blood of God was shed on that cross. We hear of the shedding of His blood. We come to the table to remember the shedding of that blood. To remember the body that was crucified for our sakes. We hear His Word and we hear that He is and what He's doing this very moment. He's on the throne of grace right now being gracious to all of his people, making intercession for them. 
As time goes along, our desires come away from the things of this world. Through trials and tribulations, we turn away from the things of this world and we look to our Savior. Our hearts are turned. That's what repentance is. Repentance is turning from the things we think we know of this world and turning to the truths of God. You know only God can grant repentance? We turn from the flesh and we look to and trust the everlasting one more and more and more. We sing this song more about Jesus. Is that just a good tune for you? Oh, I tell you, there's some rock and roll songs that if you sat back and just listened to the words, you'd be like, going, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But the music's great. I like the music. Is more about Jesus just music to you? Or do the words mean something to you? Let me read. Let me read, and while I'm reading it, would you turn to the 37th Psalm? Psalms 37. Listen to these words as you're turning. More about Jesus would I know. Does that apply to your heart? Does football get in the way on Sunday afternoons? Oh, I can't make it home in time to watch the game, and i got to watch this game. More about Jesus would I know. More of His grace to others show. More of His saving fullness see. More of His love who died for me. More about Jesus let me learn. More of His holy will discern. Spirit of God, my teacher, be showing the things of Christ to me. More about Jesus in his word, holding communion with my Lord. Hearing his voice in every line, making each faithful say mine. More about Jesus on his throne, riches in glory, all his own. More of his kingdom's sure increase. More of his coming, Prince of Peace. More about his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. Do those words mean anything to you? Are you with me in the 37th Psalm? Uh, John, you're not there. Look at verse 16. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall, be, they shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat lambs. They shall consume, into smoke shall they consume away. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. For such as be blessed from him shall inherit the earth. Did you notice that? For such as be blessed of him. Speaking of those who showeth mercy and giveth. Shall inherit the earth, and they shall be cursed 
of him, and those and they that be cursed shall be they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he should not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young and now I'm old, yet now I have not and yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread? He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. Now one more, if you would, turn over to Psalms 25. Turn back to Psalms 25. And we're just about done here. Bear with me just another moment or two. The 25th Psalm, we read these words beginning at verse 11. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity. Did you hear that? For thy name's sake. Lord, I have nothing. I have nothing to give unto thee, but for thy name's sake, pardon my iniquities, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his comfort. <coughs> Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction, my pain, and forgive all my sin. Consider mine enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. Oh, oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. When our dear brother David wrote those words, those final words of his that we read about back in 2 Samuel, he wrote them with the same faith that you and I have. Faith in the Jesus Christ the Lord. Our confidence is in Him. We have no confidence in this flesh. And because our confidence is in Him and not of our flesh, we have full confidence because it's in what He has done. We know that if we try to mix anything of ours in with it, it's just going to pollute it. His is perfect. That's why we sit down and we rest in Him. He's our Sabbath. Some folks say, well, you don't observe Christ on the Sabbath. Yes, we do. Christ Jesus is our Sabbath. We rest in Him. We observe Him every time we come together. We observe Him every time we close our eyes in the privacy of our closets and cry out, Lord! The Apostle Paul puts it this way. Our confidence being in Him and Him alone. Over in the 31st verse of Romans chapter 8, we looked at this earlier this morning, but you know, you just can't wear this uh, Romans chapter 8 out. You just can't wear it, wear it out. It, it, it grows more and more uh, in in a blessing to me each and every time I read it. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Do you believe that? 
Is that where your trust is? God help us to put our trust in that. The man who came to Christ and said, please, please heal my son. And the Lord said, if thou canst believe, if thou canst believe all things. And the man said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. What shall we say then to these things if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? My salvation, the salvation of all of God's elect, are ordered by him. Everything needed for our salvation is provided by him. It's accomplished by him. Therefore, we have a surety. We have faith. Salvation is of the Lord. I see this salvation not by sight, but by faith. I see the promise of God and I'm sure that He is true. I am assured that He is able. We'll close with one last thing. Turn over to Matthew chapter 8, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 8. In Matthew chapter 8, we see an example of faith that was given to someone. God-given faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we read in John 3.16? Whosoever believeth. The world wants to take into consideration that, that phrase, God so loved the world. But the truth of the matter is, it's the whosoever the whosoever believeth on me shall have everlasting life. In verse 5 of Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. Okay, I'll come and heal him. Verse 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. This centurion, this ruler of an army of men, says, I'm not worthy of this man, this carpenter, who is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He's right. But how did he know that? Only by the gift of God do we come to know what we are before him. The centurion answered, said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only. Whoa. This carpenter, all he has to do is speak the word, and my son will be healed. And my servant shall be healed, as it says. Then verse 9, he says, For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard it, he, he marveled. Christ. Christ, the creator of everything, marveled. You know what Christ marvels at? 
His work. Everything He does is a marvel. Everything He does is worthy of glory and grace. He marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. Is faith important? Absolutely right it is. The right faith is. Many have a faith in something. Many place their faith in something that they have done, yet they are still lost in sin. Is my faith in God and God alone is the question? It says to examine yourselves. Examine yourselves for what? Are you doing the right thing? Are you acting the right way? No, it doesn't say that at all, does it? What does it say? Examine yourselves. Are you in the faith? Is my faith in Him? Folks, it's so easy for us to fall into that trap of the world that I'm doing something good. I don't smoke anymore. You can put anything in that. I don't do this anymore. You can put anything in that. Is my faith in God and God alone? Is my faith of God? If it is, it's ordered and it's sure. Amen.